It's the Paddlewoo Podcast. Dedicated to high-performance stand-up paddle surfing. Our mission is to debrief the visionaries, innovators, and athletes leading the charge to define paddle-enhanced surfing. And here's your host, Eric Antonsen. Hello again, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddlewoo Podcast. Sean Pointer joins us on the show today, straight off of his Sayulita Mexico win at the ISA World Sup Games, defeating the likes of Mo Freitas, Ponike Roja, uh, Zane Schweitzer was there, really talented. The Felipe's from Mexico surfed incredible. If you guys did not watch that, go back and watch the recap. There was some incredible surfing going down in some very challenging smaller conditions. Uh, Sean put on a show, won the event. And now he joins us on the Padawoo podcast today. Sean is a very, very driven, uh, focused surfer. He puts a lot of time and mental energy into his regimen, his boards, his equipment. And we dive all up in that today. Uh, we get very in-depth throughout the whole process. Uh, board design, uh, philosophies and competition, training, it's a fun listen. I learned a lot talking to Sean here over this hour. You'll learn a lot listening to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Zone Sup. Come on down and join us for a week in paradise, sup surfing in beautiful Guanacaste in Costa Rica. There's some point breaks and beach breaks. Everyone will have fun. Uh, we cater to all levels, so you can come down here and learn to surf waves for the first time or really take it to the next level with our video feedback uh, and analysis that we do. Without further ado, Sean, thank you very much for being on the show. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule in between events here. I know that you're headed back to Tahiti here in a few days. Um, but to start off with, just give us an idea of how you got into SUP surfing and, and surfing as a Grom when you moved to Florida and kind of give us the history there. Yeah, surfing came about when we moved from Ohio to Florida. A lot of people are like, whoa, you're from Ohio? But yeah, from Cincinnati originally. We moved down to Florida. And I was big into soccer, and soccer actually faded out because the leagues weren't really that good, at least in the small town that we had moved to. Um, Jacksonville had the better leagues, and it, it kind of just faded out uh, with the interest and kind of the finding of the ocean uh, where I, I fell in love with surfing and started surfing um, shortly after the move. And How old were you there? And I was 10. Okay. So 10 years old and just a, a young grommet getting psyched up on In God's Hands. It's like the most cheesiest surf <laughs> film ever. And it was what we considered a surf movie. I was telling a friend the other day, like that was our movie that we get pumped up to. It's like getting pumped up to North Shore or even worse. Yeah, I think that's what made... Um Shano have to get into surfing big waves is just to get rid of that stigma. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you you would speak with my brothers and I today and we would still just go, that movie was awesome. <laughs> so that's what we that's what we that was our Bible. We loved that. So um uh, but yeah, I got into surfing there and I did that for you know, I started getting sponsors and I, I, I kinda went the, the amateur pro route eventually with getting sponsors and kind of getting my main sponsor by Volcom and and then traveling around uh, nationally and internationally. Not so internationally, like going to Europe and stuff, but more uh, Central America and, you know, of course, Hawaii. That's not out of, out of country, but 
um, you know, spending winners out there and stuff. So, and, and then kind of, I got into stand up actually. It was, it was when surfing kind of took, uh, I guess, in the back burner for me when Vulcan basically dropped me. And it was in 2008 when they did that. And then I was kind of, around florida uh, trying to think what i'm what i'm doing you know and uh how i'm gonna get another sponsor and make a real career out of this thing you know do it on the scale that i had always dreamed of doing you know with traveling and competing at the highest level and um you know basically finding new support so i moved out uh well before that i uh you know, was thinking, oh, I've got to get out to California. Um, that's where the, that's where the the hub is for the industry, and that's where if I want to get right in the face of people um, and the companies, I got to do it there. So, I, uh, I packed up and drove cross country, and set up my grounds in Southern California to kind of do exactly that, get after some companies and 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 all that. Pitch was that my two thousand eight. That was that was actually 2009. Okay. It took uh, took like a year or less to 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 kind of make the move and get my ducks in order um, to to do it. Um, so that was September 2009. Actually, when I drove when I drove out, and you already into stand up at that time. Um, I was I was introduced to it about a couple months before my drive out uh, by my friend uh, by a friend of mine, Steve. Sugared. and did it grab you right away uh it did i mean the challenge of it grabbed me right away and the frustration of it grabbed me right away you know i'm a guy i don't necessarily like to be conquered by an activity um especially this one where it's like it's such familiar ground with me it was in the ocean it's riding waves and stuff but i was completely defeated by it my first time it was it was kind of ridiculous i was on like a you know a 10 foot five 10 foot maybe six board and it's i mean one foot wind chop and i'm falling all over the place you know and here's this hot shot surfer who thinks he's all all that I came standing on a board, and my friend Steve, who's 6'4", 240 pounds, he's on a smaller board than me, he's paddling circles around me, kind of just like, he wasn't laughing at me, but I'm sure he was just, he was enjoying me just falling on my face <laughs> constantly. Uh, I mean, literally, it wasn't but more than a few seconds that I would stay up and then fall down, and then I would do this do this for, for an hour or even longer. I'm not sure. You know, I think I think Steve eventually just said, "Do you know what? Let's 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 try another day," and and so that's kind of where I think it was the initial challenge and the initial like frustration with it. Like I have got to get this thing, yep. um, which kind of uh, nabbed me. And then it was the following morning that we went out, and it was really calm conditions, and that it was it was easy, and and kind of progressed from there. But um, yeah, moving out to California was kind of the 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 biggest thing in my mind was getting a company to um, support this dream of mine of being a professional surfer on the scale that I really wanted to do, and then and then stand up paddling kind of merged in actually in battle to paddle. Um, when I had had a discussion with Starboard and, and saw the sport for what it was, I didn't even realize it was a sport uh, until I saw it there at BOP 2009. So it was a, a big eye opener opener for me there, and and it was kind of uh, you know what formed was a, a, an opportunity, and you know, gotcha. glad I was uh, able to pick it up. What was your progression of boards from the first time you hopped on a board? How quickly were you dropping leaders, getting down to? 
Now the sport at that point in time, you didn't have the seven fours. So what was your progression through boards there? We didn't have the seven four. No, we we had the six six impossible though. That was actually shortly after I started working with Starbo. When was that? Well, I mean, we we started dropping quick. We started playing around with boards. I mean, then at BOP, I actually jumped on a seven eleven, which was wow. That's really small. I don't remember the literage of it. It had to have been probably one twenty or something like that, and it was. That was the smallest board of the time. That was the wow. That was, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going that small. After even yeah, speaking with my friend Steve, he's like, wow, that's incredibly small. And, and I took that out and, and surfed it. And I was like, wow, this is awesome because I can actually surf this thing. And and then we kind of played around with designs. So that was probably end of 2009. In 2010, we started working on another board. It was a 6'6 by 30. I think it had, might have had 100. And, it was so funny looking. It looked like <laughs> it's like a trash can lid. It was. It looked like a <laughs> disc, and I think it was actually about 130 liters. And it was a board that I was working on with Brian Shizmansky, um, that was kind of put forth by Sven and saying, "Hey, how small can you go, uh, and and still stand on it and be able to perform well?" So that's just kind of what we came up with: this freaking trash can lid. And it it worked. It's what I used. I competed on it. Um, you know, in 2010, actually, I went to Brazil on it and and competed with it. And, uh, you know, if I ride it today, I'd be like, what were we ever thinking? This thing does not work at all. I mean, the width of it is in, like 12 inches from its nose, you know, down from the nose. It just catches uh, so much and, it, you know, it swivels. I mean, it's just the it just swivels off the tail. It's 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 insane. So uh, there was kind of a playing game though with the boards there. We'd go we'd go small, we'd go a little bit longer, we'd go wide, we'd go narrow, um, to kind of figure out which what kind of template works with this thing. And then it kind of it kind of leveled out with with what we have now um, with the kind of traditional shape. Um, you know, narrow. I mean, now we're riding, you know, 20, 25 and a half, 24 and a half by, you know, seven, four, seven, four, seven, five, you know, the average board's probably seven and a half, eight feet long. So I think it's kind of leveling off there and leveling off too at your leaderage, same leaderage as your weight in kilos. That's yep. kind of where I'm at right now. Yep. That's what I ride too. I, I weigh about 80 kilos. I ride 80, 82 liters. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are you in, in kilos? How tall are you? I'm five eleven. Okay. And I am about seventy, about seventy kilos. Okay. Yeah, yeah. semi, semi, you know, semi three, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and you just got back from Mexico and had a pretty nice week down there, I guess. <laughs> Give us an idea of how that was representing we, Team USA. We had an amazing week. Yeah, See? man. Congratulations on the victory. Thank you. I know. I actually, I just looked up and I'm looking across the the valley from my place, and I see an American flag waving. <laughs> Means something different today. Nostalgia, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's always it's always meant a lot. Hey, red, white, and blue, baby. Um, but yeah, that event down there was just one of the best events, probably the best event that I've ever competed in. 
Um, you know, in the years past, this was my fourth year competing at the ISA World Championships, and every year is really special because you're there representing your country. You're there amongst all these other athletes representing their country, and they are each country's best. Mm-hmm. So there's there's something already really special to that. Uh, but this time around, we had a full team, and not only a full team, we had really the U.S. the U.S. best. Yep. And it was an all-star team. It was an all-star team, yep. and we came up with so many names uh, because you know, or whatever, you know, you get a bunch of group and group together and try to come up with names. So there's a few. I think it was called like the Dream Team, uh, U.S. Team USA, Awesome, <laughs> uh, Team Gold. Maybe I don't. I think that's one that I came up with like post post event. But there was there was there was a lot. Um, so whatever, maybe Dream Team. And we did. We had an all-star cast. We had the best of the best, and we were, man, we were we kind of dominated. We 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 went away with six individual golds, and and I mean, took out all the medals, gold medals in the stand-up paddling uh, side of things, um, aside from the the relay, which has two prone in it. Um, so and you know, seven medals total with our team our team medal, but. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just awesome, you know, cheering on our t- our fellow teammates um, so passionately because we were just, you know, you're there, you're representing your country, and there's nothing, there's no selfish, selfish, uh, you know, you're just selfishly supporting one another, you know, to to help them, to encourage them, to give their best, and it was just the energy was palpable, um, and. You know, uh, in between the members of the the squad, you know, I mean, we just had so much love and support from one another, and you could feel that when you're out in the water competing, or um, you know, when the guys are running through the chicane, hearing their guys, uh, you know, in such support to them and waving the flag around and stuff, and and then you you come to the event itself and the location of it, in in Saylid, how it's such a small, quaint town. And and yet you have over 300 competitors uh, in this small town. So it's like everywhere you go, you literally you know somebody, and it's just a lot of fun. You're in, you're enjoying dinner at a uh, at a place, and you have Team New Zealand over here, and you've got you know obviously Team Mexico, and and you, you know you go over and you share stories and talk crap, whatever. You know it's just it's fun. Um, and then Mexico, the, the the crowd there is just so passionate, and especially with the Mexico team being really great. They had yeah, some really Felipe great. surfed incredible in the event. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, there's two Felipe's, you know, Boroki, Boroki and, and Pipe. And both Felipe's, they surfed so well, so well. And so they, so Mexico had really someone to root for. And not only in the surfing side of things, in the racing side as well, you know, Bicho Jimenez. And, um, you know, he, he, he finished silver and and the technical so it was uh yeah it was just it was it was great it was amazing i mean the level of surfing this year looked like it was up a step from last year too wasn't it it was completely you know because we saw obviously hawaii come through um you know with mo freitas and zane schweitzer so we had and then just the level in one year of course is is picking up so much i mean from one event to the next even in a month or two the level picks up so yeah give it a year it's gonna jump 
kind of drastically, and and that's what we saw this year. If you're watching comparison to last year, so it was it, it, everything just just made it so so great, you know, to compete with it, to to be there as a, a team member, um, and just enjoying in the and kind of engaging completely, getting immersed in this culture and this excitement of World Championships. It was really special. Excellent. Well, last year at the contest, you went out in an early round and then had, a, had to battle back through the repercharge, made it back to the final. I don't know how you did it, exhausted there. And then what place did you get last year? Uh, finished fourth, copper. Okay. And then this year, you, in similar conditions, it looks still pretty small, but went through and didn't lose a heat. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the, the final day I, I lost out just like I did last year where I had to serve five final or five heats in one, in one day. Mm -hmm. So, which is, which is a lot, you know, and they consider probably like a heat. It's best, I think, you know, a heat is kind of considered like an hour and a half or maybe even two hours of surfing um, because it takes, you're, you're working so hard to get from in to get out uh, the waves that you're catching. You're really putting as much power into them as, as possible, especially in these small conditions where you're trying to make energy where the wave doesn't necessarily have it to, uh, to start. So uh, it's, a, it's a lot of effort. So, you know, and that's five heats. So, um, you know, last year I, I kind of burn out. I burn out like, uh, you know, it was one heat too much. Uh, semis did great. And then got to the final, and I was just too, too tired, and I I couldn't I couldn't uh, you know perform at my best. You know I was falling. I was my legs were shot. Um, you know trying to to give so much to make a wave happen. It just it was just a little bit too long for me. And uh, this time around had the same scenario where I lost out and had to surf the five five heats in the last day, and and uh, I was able to. Uh, to kind of finish finish stronger than when I started the day, so um, you know that can be a test. You know, it's a test to, to my training and, and, and everything like that. You know, that allowed me to to be able to finish strong. So um, yeah, different uh, a different a, a different result this year. Uh, largely the same kind of scenario as last, but uh, with some work and effort in between. <laughs> Last year and this year, I was uh, yeah able to to finish in the top spot and finish strong. Yeah, with my kids, we have a saying: it's hard work pays off. I can't <laughs> say that all the time, and it's so true. And it was you could see that you worked hard in in the last year there. Um, how do you approach a heat in conditions like that? I mean, it is when I surf contests here in Costa Rica, and you're as as conditions get, I believe, smaller and more consistent, luck becomes more of a factor in the contest. Uh, how do you approach a heat going in knowing that there's only going to be, you know, a few sets and, and even the biggest sets are probably only going to be about chest high? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you, you try and eliminate as much, you try and eliminate the luck factor as much as you can. So really, uh, you know, before a heat, it's observing, seeing what the conditions are doing, seeing where the waves are breaking. Uh, there's a lot of waves that people don't see that maybe there is a score in it especially in these small conditions where you really have to pick apart what is rideable and what is not and what's scorable and what is what is not scorable so 
that's that's kind of the I guess probably step number one for me um, going into heat is, is observing seeing where these waves are breaking which one is was going you know rifling off across the bank um, that'll allow me some turns even if it is a knee-high wave uh, to get some waves under my belt because what I like to do in in kind of every heat is be able to build house and that is build house is basically just getting one score and then getting another score and incrementally increasing your score line uh as the more ways you catch in your heat so i like to build house and and in conditions like we had down there which are really small and there's not so many ways breaking at some some tides it uh it changes that game plan around a little bit to where you maybe have to be uh patient uh, wait for the waves uh the sets waves and and just make sure then that you have position on everybody so um you know it gets a little bit more tactical gets a little bit more strategic and uh gets a little bit kind of more aggressive out there in lineups like that where you where you just have to stake your claim you have to demand demand your waves and that's kind of how i went into each heat um because i knew there wasn't many and you know they're going to be breaking here and i'm going to i'm going to be on the inside position and and i'm going to basically get get my waves so um but there is a there's you know a like factor to it and that's that's where you just hopefully you're on the right side of the the right side of the the karmatic or the cosmo realm of things where the ocean will just send you a wave you know and and that you are receptive enough to to know where that wave is coming and and uh be in the position to out position your your opponents so um you know it's kind of it's kind of a you know there's a there's luck and and um and uh experience there that that kind of helped to to get you through these heats the harder the work the lucky the harder that you work the luckier that you are um do you ride the same board throughout a contest, or do you change boards depending on condition? If it's choppy, do you go up a couple liters in volume? Like I, when I surf uh, contests, I'll ride the board I'll ride when I free surf when it's pretty good. But then as, as it gets pretty choppy in the afternoons, maybe I'll go up four or five liters just so uh, a little bit more stable in the water, catch more waves. Do you do that too? No, I don't. I don't change up my boards in competition unless, I mean, if it's unless the condition, the size changes dramatically gotcha in Sagalita, we didn't have any of a uh, massive change in size so you do not change boards for for uh conditions as far as uh choppy glassy but you will change obviously if it gets bigger you might step up to to a step up board yeah completely gotcha. i mean it's like at sunset at the beginning of the year the sunset beach pro i was riding at one point to eight seven and then dropped down to a seven four okay uh, within that period because of the wave size so uh Sayulita, though we didn't again have that and even if you know at m it's not the the changes there aren't drastic uh even if it is even if it is the biggest possible so i knew going into it that i could get away with just having one board even two boards and that's what i had i had pretty much two contest boards that i could switch between if need but i ended up going with my 74 uh for the 25.5 or the 24 uh yeah 20 20 it was a well it's a little prototype so it's a uh 24 5 nice yeah and what does that come uh, out as far as leaders go is that something we're going to see in production yeah it's something you'll see in production it's uh probably around 73 meters epic that'll be fun yeah. to see yeah um so yeah i don't really i don't switch and i don't even i don't switch around my fins 
either. I, I keep my fins the same. You know, some guys switch between their 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 setups, um, quad and quad and, and thruster. I don't. You know, I, I just like to go in. Yeah, what you want to do in a competition for me, at least, I want to eliminate any. Uh, unknowns or any variables as possible so one of those largely comes in with with my board i don't want to not know how this board is riding at any given point um and there is that's kind of that happening if you start changing around equipment um during competition you know if at the very least you, you have to get out there and practice on it and then get a feel for it it's kind of like you know it's kind of like starting over again, so I don't I don't like to do that so much. Um, do you ride you boards know, as thrusters or, or quads? I, I always actually I'm I'm 95 probably 98 percent thruster. Yeah, riding FCS performers actually right now. That's my set that I'm using. I I, I shift between the largest and extra largest. So um, you know if it's really I mean, the only time I'm ever really riding quad is if it's big and barreling and steep. So maybe like a Puerto Escondido or a Chopu type wave. Um, that's kind of where I'm putting in the quad. So you'll be bringing some of those next week to Tahiti then? I'll be bringing some of those next week to Tahiti, but chances are not. Chances are just be riding thruster because Sapanus is a, is a kind of a tricky wave, unlike Chopu, where every wave is barreling. Um, if it's if it's below 15 foot 20 foot it's kind of not so much barreling and not every wave is barreling and it's actually uh turns into a a maneuvering wave so you know i like my maneuvering with three fins in my board and and not not four so um you'll probably see me with a thruster set really um let's talk a bit about your evolution as a professional athlete um I think that that's an interesting topic, especially with where the sport of stand-up paddle surfing is going right now. Um, you've got the ability of this possibly being an Olympic sport in 2020. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of momentum in the area of stand-up paddle surfing. And the athletics of the sport, too, are a bit different than surfing, and that training is a bigger component of that. How do you approach being a professional stand-up paddle surfer? Um, and kind of what's your training regimen, and what do you see happening over the next couple years? Yeah, I think that the new claim uh, information from Fernando Aguirre of ISA that it is being uh, looked like it's going to be accepted in the Pan Am Games 2019 and then eventually, potentially, maybe largely potentially uh, in 2020 games, so Olympic Games. So that's that's pretty, that's huge. And what that's going to do, I mean, just that statement alone and the knowing of that, that's going to, that's already up the game uh, in the sport of stand-up paddling, not only in stand-up paddle surfing, but in the entirety of the, of the sport. I mean, you know, of course, now in my head and a lot of the guys' heads is that, okay, we, we, we're, we're training to be Olympic athletes now. Or, you know, I, I have having a, I have a chance to be a, a limp, Olympian, and I think that just when you put Olympian in your head, you, you start things start changing. You know, uh, certainly I think you're going to start seeing training becoming way more intense and way more part of one's program. Whereas maybe now it's not so much, I and mean, maybe the, just the top guys uh, in the world are, are doing that. But um, you know, I think it's going to start trickling down to, to everybody. You know, guys, especially across. Uh, across uh, across the you know seas and 
other countries and stuff who were down there maybe at ISA and and now you know with that news they're going to go back and say okay let's this this thing is you know it's going to get serious let's let's get serious so um you know i, I we're going to see probably a, a massive increase in the whole uh, professionalism of of stand up bowling yeah what kind of training are you doing now uh well training my my trainers um my trainers are down in in New Zealand. They're uh, Hungarians, and and they believe in pretty easy, straightforward stuff. I mean, you know what we're doing here with stand up paddling. It's not so much we're trying to build massive muscles or anything like that. It's not bodybuilding. We want to stay lean. We want to stay light, agile, uh, but you know keep endurance, stamina, and 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 strength. So, uh, our my training consists. 100% of, of running, you know, different types of running. It's running and paddling, basically. That's 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 the major, there's the, the major two components of, of what I do, and I do different variations of it. You know, like, so for instance, yesterday I was I was running, uh, I had to maybe do 80, 60-minute uh, run at uh, 80%, and then doing another paddle at 60 minutes of you know, 80%. So it's doing uh, just kind of different... Uh, formats and of of these two disciplines running and, and paddling and that's you know that's like distance paddling um so i do a lot of i do a lot of distance paddling i i actually don't even surf that much really i it's funny i was talking with uh with a friend before going to sayulita I, I didn't surf for about three weeks prior to going to sayulita um you know just off the water um you know i was on the water probably every day or every other day on a race board but i wasn't um, uh, you know, wasn't on the surfboard so much. So, wow, that's that's interesting to hear. Deliberate practice. You know, it's funny. I was just actually I picked up. Um, I was looking online because I wanted to think about. I read this book a while back. His talent is overrated, and it was had talked about Jerry Rice. He's a wide receiver, uh, old time wide receiver in NFL, regarded as one of the best wide receivers, even maybe best football player ever. Um, and you know him it, they always talked about deliberate practice and and doing exactly what is uh, efficient and effective for what you need to do and it's kind of for him he he spent so much time um just deliberately practicing a certain uh maybe a muscle or a uh, uh mental idea or hand coordination and eye coordination and stuff that was entirely off the field to where to where the only time he ever played a game of football was when he was playing a game of football, you know, in the, I guess, against another team. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, I, I, I focus largely then on, on deliberate practice. And, and for me, it's, uh, you know, anytime, the only time I'm really in the water surfing and stuff is uh, prepping up for an event or, or maybe I need to test some boards, test some fins that I'm not sure about. But um, largely, I like to stay, stay off the water surfing. Wow. Um, you came up through the shortboard ranks and then got into stand-up paddle surfing. How much do you, time do you spend now on a shortboard, and what do you think the parallels and the differences are between shortboard surfing and stand-up paddle surfing? Well, I don't ever surf anymore. No, really? <laughs> no. No, it's... Uh, Not it's, even on the new starboard line stuff? Yeah, I mean, I have a board. I have a board, you know, and I, I helped out with, with their with their boards and stuff but no it's 
you know, it takes away from my time of if I'm going to be on the water, it's going to be on a stand-up paddleboard. I mean, it's a waste of my time to, to be out there on a, on a surfboard. So, um, yeah, so I don't, what was the second half to that question? What are the parallels between shortboard surfing and stand-up paddle surfing? And which do you, obviously you enjoy stand-up paddle surfing more, um, do you find that yeah. you can drive a board harder on a stand-up? That's kind of the common themes are you get to surf harder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bigger board. Yeah. Uh, so you, you are, you're going to have, you're going to have kind of more in, in some ways. You, you, I don't know if you say more speed, but you, you have a lot more weight behind that, that bottom turn. I mean, I don't know if it's called torque or just mass moving, but you've got a lot of, you got a lot of, volume there um moving and and what that does i mean yeah it allows a, uh, it's a, a harder a harder turn a lot of more kind of momentum a driving forward momentum um and just power alone so i love i love it <laughs> <laughs> it shows you're surfing of, man it's a lot of fun and and i think you know the parallels of course are we're we're surfing. We're riding a wave. We have to understand what the wave is doing, and we have to take into account our abilities and our equipment um, to get in a certain part of the wave that um, you know to do a maneuver or something like that, or or uh, get in a position that you know with knowing what the wave is doing, we're able to do this type of maneuver so i mean the parallel is it's surfing um the difference of course then is it's on one board that is you know a third of the volume compared to uh you know a stand-up paddleboard which is three times as much um so and then you have a paddle on your hands which allows you to have that much more leverage kind of i think with your turns and to generate that much more speed and torque um out of your out of your turns where are you cutting your paddles? How long do you like your paddle? I like my paddle about my my height. About your height. Yeah. So. And you use yeah. the starboard paddles. Me too. Seventy one inches. I kind of actually fluctuate. I fluctuate between if it's big wave paddle, mm -hmm. you know, for like sunset, maybe like seventy four inches. Um, my standard small wave paddle from probably anything from from two foot to fifteen foot at about seventy one. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, starboard paddles I use. I use the. I'm I'm stuck on the the small enduro carbon enduro uh, paddle right now. Do you know the blade size on that? Yeah, four seventy five is uh, squared centimeters. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, I love it because of the, uh, of the small blade. Mm -hmm. You know, in surfing, you really want to get your acceleration moving quick and especially in the small stuff you know lately i've been surfing the small waves so i i really need to get up and moving quick and with this small blade it just allows you to to gain acceleration that much quicker uh, you know for me because i i have probably i put more more strokes into maybe power so instead of having a a big wide blade um, i'm able to kind of use my natural paddling stroke which is getting a lot in um quickly uh versus doing like a couple big powerful ones you know to get me moving i i, I like to get up and get moving quick and and that's getting my body moving moving quick instead of kind of putting the power into it so the smaller blade works for me in that sense what kind of flex do you like on your paddle those pretty stiff paddles 
those are actually they're kind of stiff um i mean there's some flex to it but i i feel like i'm gonna snap the like i as much as i was saying i i don't put so much power into my paddling i put a lot of power into my paddling <laughs> and i'm not i feel like i'm gonna snap those other little little flimsy ones you know but um you know that's something actually i'd like to play around with a little bit more Mm-hmm. is the the amount of flex in a paddle and the diameter of a paddle um you know I, I know some guys really like the the shafts that flex a lot um uh one because it kind of i mean just from the looks and hearing guys talk about that it has kind of an extra little bit of snap to it mm-hmm. um so i would actually like to kind of try that a little bit so yeah i went through riding uh kialoas and some nash le's the real the kevlar nash paddles and they're great because they're they're easy on the elbows and shoulders but i feel like they're a little bit they they take away a bit of snappiness from the surfing Uh If if you make a little mistake they're good because they're forgiving but but they take away a little bit of power It'd be interesting to get your take on that if you rode some of those real bendy ones, especially because of the power that you surf with. Yeah. 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 I'd like to like to try that. You know, it's like you get kind of working on so many. There's already so much with boards and and fins, and then you know I have played around with the paddle sizes, of course, mm-hmm. and it's just another component to it. I mean, still I'm in this. I've been in this sport for five years, uh, and I'm still such an infant in it. You know, so I feel. I mean, there's a lot of areas that still I need playing around in within this sport with the equipment and everything like that. So. Um, yeah, no, I know. I still very much feel like a, a rookie in this sport because there is so much to it um, that can require your attention, um, especially in regarding of your equipment. So it's uh, just another thing I have to put on the put on the list. You know, that's one though that I think I'm I'm now to that point where I can say, okay, let's put this on. I'm going to play with this now. Gotcha, gotcha. Who who inspires you on tour? Out, you know, um, other surfers. Um. I mean, I have to say Kai, Lenny, of mm-hmm. course. Um, you know, um, trying to think of a, a reason why. I mean, I think he's a, a, I think he's a great competitor. And maybe that's it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so Mo Freitas, who are some other guys that I really enjoy watching out there in the water. You know, I, I do like Mo Freitas' rail turns. I'm, I'm a big fan of his rail turns. I don't, yeah, I it's, you know, and this is where it comes in. Like, you start playing around. You have a certain, you have certain kind of equipment within the sport that you focus on and play with. And it's boards for me. Boards are like, if I'm playing around with equipment, it's really kind of geared towards boards. And when I look at Mo's boards, he has some really kind of some some great boards under his feet. And I'm interested to surround when those or recreate. So we've been working. He's kind of inspired a lot of board design for me, actually, looking at him surfing and his boards and how we want to try and fuse um, our rails um, to to make them allow for, for harder rail turns and stuff. And um, so I, I, I enjoy watching Mogo, um, one, because I just I think his equipment on his feet is really great and can also do his surfing, of course. We was able to, to translate that, too, in, in performance with his equipment. Yeah, Pat Rawson was on the show a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't get over the fact that Mo is riding about 
10 to 15 percent less liters than kilograms. Um, I'd really like to jump, jump on a board and just see if I could even paddle. I don't think I could. Well, you could, but you're just going to be paddling, you know, starting from your knees being at the surface of the water because your feet are going to be under the water. I mean, Mo, Mo is out there standing literally up to his waist. It's like, how the hell? What do you how, get on a get off a surfboard man <laughs> well that's got to tire you out at the end of an event too i mean you think that uh, i know every time i drop leaders it's it's harder and harder as far as taxing on physicality uh you'd think that going that low in volume would just drain you yeah although tough. it's it's funny because apparently and i've felt it before i've hopped on small boards i actually have hopped on most boards um by being underwater, it actually makes the board a little bit more still. So it's, a little stable. Yeah, so it's not tipping so much. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it's held a little bit, of course, by the by the water. And so when you have a board on top of the uh, on top of the water, that's maybe just a little bit too less of volume. Um, oh, that makes sense. Where it's not floating really high, but not floating under the water, it makes it kind of tippy. Yeah. So. In in most case with his sinking, you know he's sinking up to his waist. Uh, it it makes it. I mean, it's still unstable, but it it's not as unstable as you would think. Gotcha. But there is a different type of balancing act that you have to kind of master, and it's one that I I don't prefer. I you know I'm going to be able to see my board uh-huh. ab- above above the the surface. So well, and then you got to climb out of the hole is what I call it when you're underwater and you got to pull yourself out. Yeah, That's yeah, tough. yeah. You got to climb out of the hole, but he does it with just a couple strokes, which is, which is, I mean, it's pretty impressive, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, he seems to be doing it fine. Let's talk about the future of the sport, going from Kai and then Mo, and where do you see stand-up paddle surfing's place within the world of surfing, and kind of the future of the tour and professional stand-up paddle surfing over the next couple of years? It's gaining momentum. Yeah, it's gaining momentum. We're seeing that. I mean, we just saw that in Sayulita. Um, you know, the increase in athletes uh, participated um, overall. And, of course, there's, you know, several countries that were first time uh, participating. So um, the sport is growing, the stand-up out surfing and, and of course, just the, the sport as a whole. Um, it's, it's growing. And <clears throat> what that means for the future, I mean, the future is – Man, it's an exciting place. <laughs> it's an exciting place, and now you bring in the whole Olympic thing to it. I mean, I, what what the future is going to hold is it's going to it's going to be that much better surfing. I mean, what I want to be doing in the future is I don't want to have I want to be able to do every maneuver that I want. And you know, I I was a surfer, and I was able to do the air reverses, all this stuff. And and um, you know, you watch the guys now. I was just watching highlights of Philippe Toledo the, oh, other, amazing. the other night. Yeah, and yeah, I want to do that. I want to do this stuff on on stand up paddle boards. And you know, I, I think in the in the competitive setting, it's just everyone is just going to get way more well well rounded and we're going to start seeing you know from round one it's going to be like what you see now in a final i mean that would be that would be the hope i mean that would be well it is now if you look back three years and you look at round one now it's already happened and it will happen again i'm sure yeah i mean you looked at this past event in sailita i mean by round two there was already 
good heats going on like mm-hmm. wow okay i mean and that's where you look at it and you're going okay the performance has really stepped up and and that that you know what i said that's could be said future that's even more near future so um you know i think uh it's just gonna get you know i i haven't spent so much time with thinking about future future <laughs> 10, 10 years but i think you know wave pools are gonna be a big thing of course i mean i think things are moving to wave pools and uh i think a constant environment of a wave pool is gonna be really really a thing of the future and it's gonna allow for some really interesting surfing as well as format and yep. i you know i would love to see more objective type ran events um with the judging panel and everything like that i you know that's kind of one area that i would like to see it go and one that you know i'm kind of in mess around with you know at least in conversation of with with or just playing around with that you know so it's very subjective it'd be cool to make it a little bit more objective yeah well that's something i think about from time to time in the sport of surfing and i mean accelerometers maybe figuring out how fast and hard people are turning there's going to be a way here in probably the next five to ten years to take a lot of the objectivity the subjectivity out of judging yeah i mean right now there's a what trace trace yeah it's a kind of a product i've been working with um and working with them for for a little bit with kind of with the idea of uh maybe potentially figuring out a, a format you know um, maybe doing an event or something, but that's a motion tracker. So Trace is a motion tracker that you put on your board and it tracks your, it can track your speed, your your uh, length of ride, how many rides you've ridden, your um, turning radius to the degrees, you know, what you're doing, and your air time. And so it kind of takes all these, these elements and, and puts them into information that you can look at later um, after you plug it in, so it's pretty nice. cool. To, it's pretty cool to see, but you can imagine if you maybe, you know, had a, a constant wave where you could plug this device into and you know on your board, and maybe you have maybe you have bullet points that you have to hit. You have to hit a turn of this degree on this wave, or or you know reach this much air time or something like that in between this minute span, like that. It's a little bit more feasible you know if you have the the data there so it's i think that's i think that would be really cool to see if maybe not for all events i don't know but maybe some exhibition event or something like that i mean i'm i'm a numbers guy i love i love being able to like statistically prove something or know something you know see improvement on something you know it's um that's that's kind of what gets gets me off you know i it's, the subjective stuff is awesome, but I'd love to see the the real hard facts. Yeah. So then, where does style come into surfing? Oh, uh, I mean, I, and that's kind of where wet speed, power, flow. I mean, that's that's kind of in the judging criteria. That's that's where you see style. I mean, style is never it's never part of the judging criteria, but you see it in the in the speed, power, and flow. I mean, that's with that combination of that is style. And is so it something maybe, that you spend a lot of time thinking about style. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, I I wanted to, and this is what I spend time thinking about: is linking my maneuvers, is 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 uh, doing things quick. I mean, I don't think about style. I think about more being to being able to execute my turns or ride a wave 
um, flawlessly or just maximizing the wave. Um, and then, you know, at the very base, something that you probably have formulated a long time ago or just naturally have at the very start, even when you catch your first wave, is your natural style. So, you know, I like so to think that... Style is inherent then, which, which I agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, style is inherent. I used to work on style when I was younger. You know, of course, that's, that's yeah, many years ago that I would work on that. Um, but, yeah, now it's just kind of maximizing, focusing on, on the wave and stuff. Um, gotcha. whereas, well, your, your Mexico video part that I just watched is not short on style, so you're doing something right. Yeah, well, thanks. Thank you. We... Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's fun to play around. It's fun to play around with the wave and, and put your body in different positions where maybe you haven't been before. It's fun to be creative. And that's what surfing kind of can allow you to do is is be creative. And in, in a contest format, you can, you can get creative. Of course, you can get a little bit more creative, I think, in free surfing. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fun to have that option. Yeah. Well, Sean, it's been epic to have you on the show, on the Paddlewoo podcast. I really appreciate your time. Um, I think that folks are really going to enjoy hearing your perspective on the sport, seeing as that you're at the very front edge leading, uh, leading the way here uh, to a sport that everyone listening to this, if they've gotten this far, they absolutely love. Um, closing thoughts, what do you want to leave the audience with? Jeez. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Well, closing thoughts are always a good one, but I always falter at them because questions are great. I love questions. Uh, <laughs> closing thoughts. Well, Too open-ended. Yeah, if everyone is still tuning in, um, well, thank you for tuning in. And should be lame and say, uh, see you out there in the waves. Yippee. You can say that. Or, or if there's <laughs> anyone that you want to you know, thank for all the help that they've given you or anything like that, I know that you got some plugs for some really epic sponsors that help you out. Yeah, of course. Uh, Starboard, they're, they're fantastic. They, they are the guys who have been backing me from day one, 2010. They've been my, been my support crew and uh, largely the reason uh, for my level of performance to this day. And, and even maybe the level for, for guys out there with kind of just continuing to, to listen to their athletes and to work with their athletes and producing better and better boards uh, that we're able to perform on more and more. So thank you, Starboard, of course, and uh, FCS is another big one with my fins and uh, freestyle watches. So nice. there's, their, uh, there's the support crew. Man, well, I really appreciate it. I'm sure everyone listening right now appreciates your time. Thank you, and uh, hope that we can get you back on the show at some point in the future. Yeah, completely. We'd love to. Awesome. Take care, man. All right. Thank you, Eric.